WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 11. Thank you to everyone who has downloaded and listened and subscribed to The Lineup so far. We've been dropping these every Friday since last November, and everyone's feedback has been really appreciated. In response to this feedback, a bit of housekeeping before we move forward. There won't be a lineup next Friday, January 31st but there will be one the following Tuesday, February 4th, and we'll be releasing episodes on Tuesdays moving forward. So now you can listen to them on your commute to work or school during the week and better use your weekend time to unplug and get outside, as we all should. So keep the feedback coming in. We'll continue to evolve these as best we can. We have some really good episodes coming up for this year, including today's, which happens to be one of my favorites so far. All right, episode 11. For fans of the modern surfing phenomenon, the Brazilian storm is as known as Kelly Slater. It's simply a foundational pillar of what makes up surfing in 2020. And as we've said on this very podcast before, that hasn't always been the case. When I started at the ASP in 2006, Adriano D'Souza was a rookie and he finished 20th on the CT and he was the highest placing Brazilian. Today, January 2020, 20 of the last 30 men's CT events have been won by Brazil, two thirds. That is staggering. And we all know how last season ended with Italo claiming the world title, Gabriel Medina runner up, Felipe Toledo fourth, and that train keeps on moving. However, there was not always a storm and it certainly didn't come out of nowhere. And for those who preceded the storm, who in hindsight could be considered harbingers of it, they did so with a fraction of the sponsorship support that people enjoy today 
and in an often harshly xenophobic and racist surfing world. They were alone. Our guest today is one such Brazilian who navigated the early 2010s on the world stage as a forerunner to his country's current dominance. He ushered in a new era of progressive fin-free aerial surfing in competition with his qualifying series campaigns of 2008 and 2009. He took down Kelly Slater at home in Brazil during the destined 2010 Slater season, and he suffered the public wrath from the world champ in that post-event press conference. He's qualified and fallen off tour and qualified and fallen off tour and qualified and fallen off tour three times, more so than anyone else. And he continues to redefine himself and his surfing. He's also someone who genuinely believes he is a world title contender in 2020. Please enjoy the lineup's conversation with Jadson Andre. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did, I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once, it's gone. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave, get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. It's a your boxing. Okay, cool. So we'll, we'll get into it, Jadson Andre. Right. I wanted to start by getting your perspective on how you view your own status inside Brazilian surfing. You know, your, your career falls a little bit before the current Brazilian storm, but you, you know, you're post Neco and Flavio, you're pre-Gabriel, Felipe. You know, how do you view your own role in the broader Brazilian surfing community? I don't even know where to start with that, but um, since I'm 17, 18, I've been watching all those guys, Neko, Teco, Peterson, Danilo, Marcelo, Fabio, and Adriano, and uh, I knew things was changing already. But um, Why did you know that? What was it about be- that? Because um, before, the Brazilian guys, they... They always try their hardest to do well, but they never really, I mean, won the contest and stuff, you know. And then when Adriano qualified, everybody paid a lot of attention on Adriano, what Adriano was going to do. He was our biggest um, hope to get the first world title, you know. So I was only 17, 18, but I, I was able to see that like Adriano is is the guy that probably gonna break that thing, you know? What was it about Adriano that felt different? I pretty much everything. The way he serves, the way he competes. As a professional, Pinga took such a good care of Adriano. Like the other guys, they were amazing surfers as well. They, I know Neko won contests, they make finals, uh, Victor Ribas, you know what I mean? But um, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Adriano, since his first day with Pinga, he was, Pinga was training him to be number one of the world. You know what I mean? So that's when things, in my point of view, start to change. And uh, lucky I was next to Adriano. So I was able to see everything really close. And uh, two years after I qualified, and then 
but I knew about Gabe and Philippe because I, I love to watch people. I love to see people improving, you know what I mean? So I don't know where I can find those interviews, but I used to tell people like nine, ten years ago that Brazilian was going to be like, the, how, I, don't, I don't know how can I say that, like was going to be like the best surfers at that time, you know? So you you said it it changed for you though like I'm wondering what were you thinking before it changed was it just we just want to get on tour before we might be the best in the world what was the mentality before Adriano do you think I don't really know because I wasn't close to those I mean to the old guys sure I used to watch on the TV you know but um when I got close to them, I knew they were different from the way they act was different the way Adrian was acting, you know. And uh, I knew Pinga, and Pinga, I know how Pinga works, and Pinga wants to be the best so always. The way he thinks, the way he does his own things, in the end of the day, he just want to be the best. He just want the best for everyone. And uh, for, for those who don't know who he is, how would you describe Pinga to the listeners? Pinga, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. And uh, he loves surfs. And when you see him, doesn't look, he's really patient, but he loves it. He's competitive. And uh, he wants the best for you. Sometimes he, he kind of get confused in the middle of the things, kind of like, I don't, I don't really know how to explain, but I know in the end of the day, he wants the best for, for, the, the, for his athletes. And he's a bit of a, he's a scout. He's a manager. He's a coach. He he, he develops kinda tried Brazilian to do everything. talent. Yeah, he kind of do everything. He coaches, he manage, he does the um, the schedule. Like I don't, not sure how can I say that, but he kind of do everything, you know. Mm. And uh, the guy is pretty good. He had Adriano, he had um, Miguel, Caio, Italo, myself, Danilo Costa, and another guys. Like I would say, eight percent of the Brazilian guys on tour. Mm used to work with Pinga, so the guy has something special, yeah, right? for sure. And so, so Adriano was a real game changer psychologically for you yourself um, yeah. in a big way. Yeah, and as I said, I was lucky enough to have the same sponsor as him. We were team mates, and um, I see the way he approached things. I, I learned a lot with Adriano because when I started to compete, when I started to surf, the only thing I used to do is wake up, get my surfboard, and go surf. And Adriano, he wake up, he trains, and like, he was different, you know? He mm. was different, and things changed after Adriano. And then when Gabe and Philippe, when they got on tour, what can I say? They just went like, very first, I think, the second month of Gabe on tour, he destroyed France, and then his fourth contest, he destroyed um, San Francisco. And right there, people knew what, what he was going to do, you know? Well, your first year, you destroyed Santa Catarina. <laughs> you know, was, was your mentality in that, in that era, just before you know, Gabe and Felipe, you came on, you won a CT, you beat Kelly in Brazil. Was your mentality, I'm gonna win a world title? I don't even know what I was thinking back then, to be <laughs> honest. I was just a guy that um, I went to the QS, not think about qualifying. Mm. I just, I mean, I still love to compete, but back then I was just 
addicted. Just want to surf contests. I just love it to surf as much heat as I can. And uh, when I got on the QS, I was just pretty much winning every single heat. And then got on tour and was not even thinking that I was on tour. I was just happy to be able to surf with Mick, with Joe, with Kelly, with Taj. Because those guys were like my heroes and still, mm. still today. But I was not, I wasn't paying attention for the city where I was. I was just surfing. Mm. And then when I won that contest in Santa Catarina, everything changed. I kind of put a lot of pressure on myself like, oh, am I really number fourth of the world right now? So that's when I kind of stopped to enjoy where I was and put pressure on myself, mm. you know? So I'm not going to compare myself with Gabe and Philippe, you know? Well, I think it's interesting because you might not because you're a pretty humble guy, but just as Adriana changed what you believed was possible, I think that win in 2010 against Kelly, I mean, we hear it all the time from Gabe and Felipe changed what they thought was possible. And, and that, you know, upon reflection might ultimately be like a huge part of what your role's been in this so far. Um, I remember in 2010, I used to travel with um, Gabriel and, and his dad, and uh, we just learned so much with each other. And even today, his dad respects me so much. I have a really good relationship with Gabriel's family because we did help each other in the beginning a lot. And I remember at Lovers, when it was a prime, I think Miguel won that prime back in 2011. I'm not sure which year, which year was that, but Gabe lost in the quarters to Jesse and Gabe was crying so much. Like he was so sad, like I never win. I, I'm, I never, I never, I never win. Why, why? He was like that sad, like, and I was like, I gave him a hug. I was like, Gabe, your time is gonna come. Relax, just relax. And the next very contest was Santa Catarina, the prime. And he just smoked everyone over there. Mm. And that changed his career. And uh, that's just like cool to see that I was kind of able to help him somehow and his dad. And now they's the one who kind of helped me, you know? So since ever I've been an underdog and he's been pretty much number one, I mean, top three guys. And uh, when we talk today, he kind of shows me like what I did in the past. And I showed him that what was possible to do it. And now he kind of wants to show me that I still have it. And uh, in Tahiti this year that he, he made a final with Owen, he was, we had a really nice moment over there. We shed every single day and over, the, over there, he changed my mind, like, because I, I always stressed myself, I always did. But when you be on tour and you don't make finals, when you always fighting for just to be top 22, not to be in top 10, you kind of start to ask yourself if you're good enough, you know? Hmm. And you, you he, lose way more than you win in surfing, right? Yes, you do, especially me. <laughs> always being over there, round three, round three, you know? And it's, it's hard. And he told me like, when you start to believe in yourself again, we in tr we're gonna be in trouble. That's what he told me. And he was not saying just for me to feel good. He was, he told me straight from his heart. And mm. I was like, yeah. And then the next contest was in Pantene, which was a QS. 
but I wasn't having a good time in the last four months mm. and I destroyed Pantini and got third and changed a lot. I didn't have a really nice campaign after that, but right now for 2020, I feel that um, I still have a lot of to give and show people what I can be. Well, we're gonna get to that, but I wanna track all the way back to where you came from and Natal City and your family and how you got into surfing. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was funny the way I started to surf because um, I used to play soccer when I was a kid, like seven, eight years old. I was, I still pretty good play soccer. And that's uh, rare for a Brazilian. <laughs> good. Now I was like better than most of the guys who plays well. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, I was going to leave. How can I say? I want, want you to help me. I was going to leave in the club. Yeah, like a development program. Yeah, I yeah. was going to stay with the club. Mm-hmm. I was going with my with my cousin because he was like 14, 15, and I was only eight. Oh, wow. So we were walking. It's about three miles away. And uh, that day was raining so much. So we came back, and my uncle was the only one who serves in my family, and he was going to the beach. And I didn't go, I didn't get to go home. I asked him to take me to the beach because if I went home, my dad and my mom, no way they would let me go to the beach. So I went to the beach with my uncle. He surfed for like two hours and he asked me if I want to surf. So my first ever try, I stand up and went straight and I was like, that's cool. And then just, just I was just in love. I just want to surf. So. That was crazy because my dad, he fights with my uncle. He was like, you destroy my son's life. What are you going to do now? Because your dad was a pretty young dude too, right? Yeah. They had you when they were really young. Thir- 13 and 15. 13 yeah. and 15. Yeah. And your dad really wanted you to pursue soccer as a yes. career. Because um, a lot of soccer playing in Brazil, they change their family life, you know? It, of course. It's crazy, like how much money they made if they just okay yeah. to just play well anyways my that it was a that was crazy like my family had a really hard time and i was not even listening to my dad anymore about soccer i was like oh, i'm done with that you're hooked yeah and I'm, you're you were eight i was eight yeah i was eight and anyway so i just for after i would say maybe six five six months i was getting better and better. So my second surf contest, I made a final and um, I won a trophy. And my dad was like, wow, is that really? So after that little trophy, my life changed. But at that time, did your dad see surfing as like an equitable avenue for for financial stability? Like, no, no but he just saw that you were good. Yeah, he, he was, he kind of like give up about mean to be a professional soccer because I didn't want to play anymore. Yeah. And he was like, I'm not gonna like force him to do it because so if he wanna surf let let he do whatever he wants. What position did you play? Soccer? Striker. Mm. Number nine. <laughs> 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 so yeah, when I was ten and eleven I was just a little contest machine winning every single contest back home. Was there in in Natal City? Was there a big surfing scene? Was that where a lot of the good surfers came from? Or? Yeah, um, 
Joca Júnior is from, from my place, Danilo Costa is from my place, Mas, uh, Marcelo Nunes. Um, so you had a lot of guys to look up guys. to and compete yeah, yeah, with. And, yeah. yeah, and they all were on tour. Hmm. So yeah, it's a kind of famous place for surfing. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I started. And at what point did you get identified by Pinga and, and did he pull you into his program away from home? Like, what, what was that like? Yeah, um, I used to have a lot of sponsor from my city mm -hmm. that people, they used to pay my entries, my, like, not flight tickets for the bus. Um, how, do you, how can I say? They pay for the, for the transfer. Oh, yeah, tran transit, Tra yep. Yeah, for the transit and stuff. And then Pinga went to my place to, to see another guy. And then... Do you remember who? Yeah, it's a funny name, Pirulito. It's like Ken Pop. <laughs> That's his name. And when he saw me, he was like, no, I want this guy. Oh, poor Ken Pop. And then... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, but that's that's what happened. And then when I was 12, I got into his program. And when I was 13, I moved to Sao Paulo. Yeah, so that you had to move away from your family. Yeah, I did. I went to live by myself when I was 13. And did was your family situation, did you have a, you know, a lot of money, not a lot of money growing up? No, my, my family, they were f like fishermen, you know, they used to live just fishing. I mean, they're still doing it. Was that pretty common in Natal City? Was that most yeah. people there? Yeah, especially where, where I come from and where we still live. Mm -hmm. People is like really simple people. W was it a big deal when you decided to move away at 13? Were they happy for you? Or yeah, they you? didn't even complain because... Um, with 13 years old, I was almost a professional surfer, you know. In Brazil? In Brazil. Yeah. It was yeah. just like winning every single contest, every Brazilian tournament. Were you getting paid, sponsors? Uh, yeah, and... I was getting paid from Oakley. And when they told me I had to leave, they didn't even complain. But they, that was a really hard moment for them. For them. I was happy. I was like over the moon. Yes, I'm moving. I'm going to Sao Paulo, you know. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it'd be really hard for parents. Yeah. But you mentioned, you know, they were fishermen. When you started getting sponsored by Oakley, was that a, a pretty big deal to have money coming into the family and for you to, to contribute back? Yeah, they, I mean, they didn't let me go because I was going to pay them or because I was making money. They let me go because they wanted me to do well yeah. and live my life and have a better life than the life we used to have. Sure. So, yeah, the, I mean... I, we just had a hard time in the beginning mm -hmm. because they, he didn't want me to surf and then he let us surf and then he was supporting me so much. Sometimes he used to go with me, like take the bus and drop me and then come back home. Mm. So, yeah. What's it like at 13 living in Sao Paulo by yourself in that program? What was your day-to-day your -day like? What did you do there? I, how can I say? I felt like how I'm the man. I live by myself. I'm 13. <laughs> you know, any 13 year old on the, in the world would feel that way. <laughs> so, but I, I, that that was the most important part of my life because I left my parent to live by myself. Mm. So I had to wake up every day in the morning to go to school by mm. myself. I had to do my own meal. I had to pay the bills from the house when I was 13, 14 years old, you know? So that make me, I'm 29 years old right now. It feels like I'm 48 for what I've been lived, you know? 
I, I think some of your colleagues on the world tour still don't pay their own bills. I know. I bet they don't. They learn at 13. I know. I know. I love, <laughs> don't even care their boards. So, <laughs> so 13 until what age did you start? I would imagine at that time you start competing on the QS nationally and then internationally. Talk us through that time. My first QS, I was I was 15 years old, was mm. in Brazil, in Bahia. And uh, back then, the QS was, had a lot of people. I remember, I think I made about six hits, you know. What's his name? Um, he's a judge right now. Young judge from Top City, from Australia. Ben Dunn. Ben Dunny. Ben yep. Dunny, he beats me in that contest. So, yeah, I, I competed a few QS, just one QS once in a year. So I was just doing all the pro juniors back in Brazil. So I went to Australia for, to compete the, Q, the, um, the pro juniors when I was 17. When I was eight. Was that your first trip overseas? Was No, my first trip was to Tahiti when I was 13. Oh, wow. Yeah, for the ISA games. Yeah. That, maybe that's why I love Tahiti so much. Yeah. Know. It was the first time I ever left my city, actually, was to Tahiti. Never, you never went anywhere else in the country? Tahiti. Natal City Straight. to uh, Papiet. Papet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Crazy. And how, I, I mean, um, why don't we talk about that a little bit? That must have been like a huge culture expansion for you, meeting different people. Dude, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. Everything was just so natural. Like, I was not, not paying attention for wish I could explain, not even Portuguese, I, I know how to explain that, you know, just like everything just happened just so natural. Like yeah. the contest that I was doing, the travelings, felt like I did that before, you know, so crazy. Right. Kind of have this feeling. And even today when I go places, I see like, oh, I've been here before. But no, I don't know. I don't know how to explain. It sounds like it, it ties a little bit to... And sometimes people are just born to something, you know, like you were going to play soccer and then you went surfing and you were good right away. And you're like, I'm going to do that. That's I know what I'm going to do. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, wish I could explain how I felt or how was that, but um, it was just so natural. And so when I start to pay a lot of attention, that's the hard time for me. When I was on tour, when I was uh, make good money, that's when I was like, how can I say I was paying Thinking too much. Thinking and, too much, exactly. Yeah. Thinking too much and that didn't help. Mm. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's 
best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. Well, it sounds like, especially in those early, early years, it was so... Not even a focus, but as you said, it was very natural. So, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going yeah. to do that. And I'm going to do that. And it's very simple and I can concentrate and I can do my best. And that's what I'm thinking at the moment. And that's what I'm going to not try to. That's what I'm going to do in 2020. You know, do you feel like that started? You, know, you talked about it a little bit already that started to change after you won in 2010 when things started getting a little complicated and you started overthinking things is that do you think that's a big pivot point for you i didn't get it oh i i just mean you said for a while things were very simple and clear uh -huh. and then do you think it changed when you won that ct in 2010? oh yeah yeah that's what happened yeah when i won that contest i didn't expect to win that contest i was just surfing just as every single contest I compete since that one, I was just surfing and just want to do airs, just want to fly every single wave I got, you know? And then after that thing, I was like, whoa. So put too much pressure on myself, was just listening to every single one that was talking about myself. And uh wasn't a good time, but and then it was a really hard time. Mm. But at the same time was a, the most important moment in my career to be where I am right now and where I want to get, that's definitely going to help me. It's a good reference point. Yeah. It, do you think that the way that your sponsors talk to you and the way the media talk to you, is that did that contribute to the pressure and expectations after that? 100%. I mean, I remember because I was there and it was a huge, huge moment. Um, and it's being a fault because they, he should protect me and he didn't. <laughs> I tell him that straight up. Yeah. <laughs> we have a really good relationship, but I was too young. He kind of wants to protect me, but I was just, nah, I'm going to answer this, blah, blah, you know. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it, and it, it was 2010, right? 2010, yeah. So such a lightning rod because Kelly was going after 10 world titles in 2010, and here he is having a pretty good start to the year, and he comes up against you in the final, and... Probably what gets lost a lot in the conversation is the kind of surfing you were doing was just so radical in competition. You were just doing these high velocity aerials, air reverses, different tweaks, inverted that people had seen maybe in videos, but never consistently in competition. In and that you really broke the door down for that in a lot of ways. Yeah. And Kelly's a such a smart guy and he knows how to play with people head. And that's what he did to me. I mean, he didn't, I, I don't think he saw me as a um, world title contender back then. I don't think, I don't think that, but he said something that really 
did not help me at all and got into my young head then yeah i had a really hard time back then and um because you were 19 i was 20 20 and i um correct me if i'm wrong i think you said something about well let's see how he does it yeah, and, and, and he said that I was never ever going to win, win another contest again, maybe not even get in the final. Have you talked to him about that since? He knows what he said. <laughs> uh, well, you know, and and it's he you're not the only person he's said that to. I know, you know I know. I think it's yeah, it's it's something that they it's That's, sort of programmed within him. I don't I don't blame him at all because of that because um he was probably pissed he just lost to a i know yeah he, <laughs> was, yeah he was pissed of course and um that's where i say that's why i said that pinga should protect me over there mm. i was just uh, i wasn't 20 years old i was a young i was yeah. really young and um i didn't even know what was going on and he knew that i was stressing about all those things so he as i said he maybe he tried to talk to me and say like but I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of things. My career would be different mm. if I had deal better with that situation. You know. You know, it could have been something as well. It was a learning experience for everyone because it was also kind of the first time that the internet was coming on in surfing, and and like people <laughs> in the comment sections of websites were being really like aggressive and mean mm -hmm. and vocal and stuff I, I remember that was a huge few years when people were like oh, i can't believe these people are saying things about me and that would get fueled by something that would happen in a contest or something that someone would say in an interview and then it would just kind of come you know keep going keep going keep going and social media would come online and be just another thing and i always loved to be on the internet so i was reading everything you know i was just i saw everything that was going on from every single one and that freaked me out so if you had done that five years before you wouldn't even be on the internet reading that stuff it wouldn't have existed i know i know and maybe if i did that five years later wouldn't be that bad because you would have matured a bit you think or? yeah and also medina was there before me so people mm. was going to pick on medina <laughs> there's, a, there's a saying right that's like um you know first through the door gets the bullet yeah right and and you yeah. had Adriano, and the, but then yourself, and and that was actually you. You were both really challenging uh -huh. Kelly uh -huh. in 2010, and and it feels like you guys took a lot of shrapnel for that. Yeah, I mean, help me to say that in Portuguese we say I was the Cristo. That makes sense. Like people judge God for on the um, on the cross, like right. And people were throwing rocks on him. Yeah, people in Brazil say that I was that guy at that moment. Because after me was Gabriel, was Philippe, and yeah. no one was not even say anything about them. Yeah. I'm going to say again, I'm never going to compare myself with Philippe and Gabe. You know, I'm not say I'm as good as those guys. I'm just say that um, I was the very first one. And so everybody picked on me. And if it was Medina, they were going to pick Medina. Yeah, it was totally different circumstances. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I was talking about at the front, yeah. where it's like, where do you see yourself in the long arc of Brazilian surfing, right? And in a lot of ways, you, you had to break a lot of doors down, whether it was challenging the status quo of Kelly and winning events and then taking a lot of heat for that, for those guys to come along. What were some of the things that you would read that would really get to you? Like, what, what, what was that like? Um, I was just thinking right now about 
maybe that's not the question right now, but I was thinking about Aunt Iris, the year that he passed away. Same year. 2000, 2010, same year. And uh, everyone were saying about, like, he only does airs. I want to see how how he does in heavy ways and blah, 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 blah. So I remember that year in France, Le Gravier was pumping about seven to nine feet, just perfect right barrels. And I had Jeremy in my head, and Mimi was combing for like 26, 27 minutes. Mm. And then in three minutes, I had two excellent scores going right, getting barrels. And I, I beat him. So everyone were like so surprised with what I did. And right after my hit, and the artist called me and said, hey, don't ever pay attention for what people are going to talk about you. If they talk bad about you, it's because they worry about you. And you are, you are just like me. When you want something, you go there and you make it happen. And one week after he passed away, but he was telling me about those guys and that's yeah that's why he's i got yeah. chills you know that's why he's the people's champ he used to say this thing and i've probably said it in a bunch of podcasts already but he goes you know everyone wants you to win your first world title and then after that everyone wants you to lose so he i think he experienced that a lot too you mm -hmm. know like you're on top of the world and then you become the target mm -hmm. um but also i mean at 20 years old and i feel like this is similar with a lot of surfers that come up like they might be really, really excellent at one part of their surfing, but they understand they have to get better at different parts. And and people, I think at that time, just didn't give anyone any time to get better. Whereas in reality, when you're 20, you need a few years to develop. Maybe it's heavy reef waves mm -hmm. or maybe it's power turns or something like that. Is that something that over the course of those years you worked on different parts you were surfing? Yes, I definitely did. And I knew what I had to improve so much and I still think that I, I still have to improve a lot and uh, I what, never, what parts do you think you still have to improve on every single thing I mean carve airs my line my everything mm. I feel like I, I still I still have room to improve a lot and that's what make me really excited about to be on tour because I'm pretty sure I haven't give my not even close to my hundred percent and that's 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 good for me because if I'm almost 10 years on tour and not show my 100%, you know? Yep. And if if I do the right things and then I get where I think where I can get, it's gonna be interesting to see, you know? <laughs> For sure. I mean, in, in your, the career you had on the CT, not, I mean, there's so many surfers that never ever make it, right? And you had, 2010, 2011, 2012, you were on, and then you fell off. And most people that fall off never get back on. And you got back on 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, fell off again, and then you're back on again. That to me is, you have to have so much perseverance and tenacity to do that. Like, can you talk about that just career-wise and, you know, being on tour, falling off tour, learning, like what are, what are some of the things that you've walked away from those years with? Th that's that's how I think. Uh, when when I first qualified in two thousand nine, I didn't plan to qualify. You know, I I didn't plan. I just was competing. You weren't overthinking. Yeah, I was just enjoyed enjoyed that thing. So, and then I qualified, and then I had a really good first year. 
So, and then I went like all the way to the top and then all the way to the first step and then all the way down. And then, so when, when, I, when I first fall off on two, I was like, I did that in 2019 when I didn't even plan. So I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it again. And I did. So I had another three nice years and then I, f I fall off again. I was like, I'm gonna do it again. And yesterday I was talking to a friend and that he asked me the same the same question, like, dude, I think you're the guy who qualified most times and just one just trying one year. And I was like, and one and do you know what? If I ever fall off again, I'm gonna requalify again. <laughs> so yeah, and answer your question. I knew I, I had a lot of to improve when I first qualified. I never surfed J Bay before before I went there for the first time. And I didn't, didn't even know what to do in the wave. I was like, that's definitely a wave that I need to improve. Mm. Of course, triple, pipe, those waves. And uh, I've been trying, I've been working a lot. And uh, as I said, I'm not even close to be what I want. Well, and I mean, in that window too, there's also so much to deal with just as a human being. It might be injury, it might be sponsorship, it might be managing finances, it might be a relationship. Like so much happens at the same time while you're trying to compete at an elite level and get better at the same time. And uh, that's one of the things I was talking with my friends that um, it's maybe gonna sound bizarre, but I never really had a year that I was just focused on myself, on train and surf and do well. Mm. Always being like worried about my family, my friends, worrying about everyone, even on tour, being worried too much about my friends. And then today I see that, um, I don't know if I can say that, but that was kind of a mistake. Because if I'm not 100% ready to do that, it's gonna be bad for everyone. Yeah, I mean, and, and it is one of those things that people talk about all the time, but like, if you wanna be the best, you have to be very selfish. Yeah. And it, I mean, even just in the, the time of this conversation, you've expressed how unselfish you are, whether yeah. it's taking care of family or doing your own bills or whatever it is. And yeah, I mean, you look at a lot of other people on tour, men and women at the very top, they've got, you know, manager, publicist, coach, someone to carry their boards, you know what I mean? And and it, and it it's always like, been myself, just me. Yeah, to doing do all everything. those things. Yeah. Yes. And um that's just crazy because yesterday I had this conversation with um with a guy from Rio that has been helping me this year. Mm. So I just told him about everything that I was going through this year. And he was like, Wow, that's crazy. But um if you don't change, you're not gonna get any better. You know, and I'm not saying that I'm going to be mean or I'm going to be a bad guy or people will stop to like me, but definitely going to be different next year for better, better for me. Mm. I mean, I don't care what my friends or even my family, I don't care what they're going to think about me, you know, because I know if I don't do this at this time, I'm going to just going to pretty much waste another year and I don't want to do that. I want to go there and fight for the first place. I want to go there and when I surf against Italo, against John John, I, I want to really like go and swing, you know, I, I don't want to be there just to make sure I'm going to be on tour for one more year to have a, to make a good money and help my family. No, I, I want to be there to, I don't know what's going to happen, but at least I want to 
I want to give this opportunity to me, you know? For sure. I mean, I think a, uh, another way to think of it is, you know, you're obviously very close with Adriano. Adriano, similar to you, fell in that, that middle section between, you know, Neco Flavio era and the Brazilian storm. And he took a lot of heat, you know, like building the pathway for a lot of those guys. And his legacy could have been building the pathway for Gabriel to win the world title. And that could have been it. But then I think it's one of the most underappreciated stories in surfing that he was able to come back and say, no, I have a title too, because he could have been done, you know, surfing likes know. the next thing I know, and he could have been done and he didn't. And I think like similar to what Gabrielle was saying last year in Tahiti, you have all the weapons, you know, if you look at your competitive pedigree, if you look at your, how you've um, matured in heavy water in Tahiti and your rail game and in, in big beach breaks or point breaks, it's, I think it is one of those things where it, it is once you put it together, he's right, you're going to be really dangerous. I mean, you already are. I mean, last year on the QS, I mean, that was the kind of the joke. It was like you qualified for 2021 before the CTC or 2020 <laughs> before the CT <laughs> even started. Sorry. Funny thing. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's time for me to to focus on myself and and do the things that I have to do not try i gotta do that i'm not it doesn't mean that i i'm gonna be top 10 or i'm gonna be fighting for the world title but what i want to do for myself is when i'm done when i'm done with this city when i'm done with my professional surfing i will be happy with myself like i did what i had to do you know so because if today if i'm done today i was going to sleep every single night blame myself not to give 100 percent for myself you know so yeah, um, I feel like to be really close to Gabriel, it's a really nice opportunity for myself to see what he does, what his family does. I have a really good relationship with his dad, with his mom, with him, with his whole family. And uh, even when we surf against each other, of course the family want him to win, but you see how much they love me and respect me. They don't freak out. They don't go like, ah. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah, anyway, so... Will you get insight into what that support group looks like around yeah. someone like him? And um, I hope I can have a really great year next year. And I hope they don't change with me if I be fighting for the whole title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, even over the course of the last few years, it feels like because of who you are and your talent and your story and your tenacity and... I mean, even if you become an asshole next year, you're still a nice guy. You're still Jadson Andre. <laughs> it feels like you have a lot of people supporting you on the sponsorship side now too, which is not always the case. Yeah, yeah. Right now I have a really nice people that is helping me and also a Brazilian brand that is helping me. So I'm not really worried about sponsorship right now. So right now for 2020, I have everything that I need to do well or at least to have idea that I'm gonna do the right things for myself, you know? Be able to surf, to travel, to train, and not thinking about what people is doing back home, what is going on back there. Because um, I see what the number one guys, guys does, and they not worry about the family. They not worry about any other thing. They just worry about to be better and better and better. And that's crazy to say again, but I, I never been like that. And it's time, and it's time. I mean, it sounds like you've already answered this because you don't want to 
stay up at night wondering what if I tried harder or what if I, I didn't give it everything. But in terms of your legacy moving forward in your career, in your own surfing, in your life, what do you think about what is the goal? Um, my year is done right now. So 2020 is about to start and I want to go big. I want to go big. I want to make finals. I'm so glad we, we have um, G-Land back. That's a wave that I definitely can do pretty good, can be in the final. Tahiti. I mean, I see every single contest on tour. I can see that I can do really well. Quarters, finals, semis. And if I do that in one year, I'm going to be fighting for the world title. People are going to think like he's out of his mind. But if I don't trust myself, who will? I think that goes back to what Gabrielle said. He knows that you have those tools, you mm -hmm. know, and as you said, there's not one spot on tour where you can't see yourself in the quarters, semis and finals. And that's what all the top guys do. And if you have a consistent year, yeah, you're in. Yeah. So I really hope 2020 is going to be my year. Awesome. All right. Before we go, we're going to do the lightning round questions. 10 questions, answer as fast as you can. Okay. If you only got to surf one board setup for the rest of your life, single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad, bonzer, or finless, what do you choose? Thruster. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Burrito or pizza? Pizza. Last book you read? How can I say that English? Poder da ação. Power of action makes sense? I don't know. That makes sense. <laughs> Best surf film ever? Um, three degrees. One wave you never have to go back to. The box. <laughs> <laughs> if you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life. Chopu. Best person to share a lineup with. John John Florence. Worst person to share a lineup with. <laughs> mm, I don't know. <laughs> they, they, I'm, I'm more answer that right away. They probably know. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Uh, finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by... Oh, I didn't understand. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. No, don't worry about it. It's um, how I'm, I'm going to be happy next because... Oh, I will be happy next because I will have another opportunity. Jadson, that was awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. That was so good. Thank you. So that's it. That's our conversation with Jadson Andre. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. And I truly believe him when he says the 2020 world title is the goal. There's no reason it can't be for someone like him with his talent and certainly his tenacity. If you haven't listened to the other pods, please download, listen, and subscribe if you like them. And as I mentioned in the upfront, we won't be releasing an episode next Friday, January 31st, but we will be back on Tuesday, February 4th, and we'll begin releasing them on Tuesdays moving forward. Hope you get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday.